You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Pizza.com. It's two for one Tuesday. Order a regular priced pizza from the Create Your Own menu and get a second pizza of the same or lesser value. Free! It's Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julie Tashiri and Mike DiStefano with you. We're going to be joined by Kobe Cohen in the next couple of minutes here. Former defenseman. He's an analyst for the Chicago Blackhawks. So we'll get the full scoop on the new buds, McCabe and Lafferty from, from him. But uh, for now, Leafs at practice. 3.30 in Edmonton today. Been a which Wild. I hate. I hate I so much. Like, I just want to know who, where Jake McCabe is. Like, that's the thing. I, and I guess we can, like, talk about it and, and give our thoughts. It's so tragic. We'll talk but about we it until 2 o'clock, and then at 2.30, they'll show the lineup, and, and they'll be like, be ah, we're bums. So, yeah, I, am, I know nothing about this sport. Like, that's, that's, how I, that's how I feel like I'm going to feel come 3.30. But, you know, when you look at this lineup, though, like, where, where would you say, like, if you're building up the lineup card, like, we had... Frankie do it yesterday. We didn't really get a chance to, to talk about it, but like, where do you like McCabe? Um, I think it kind of depends if he's going to play the right side or the left side. Like, do you where do you picture him on his strong side, and does it just depend on who who Sheldon sees as the odd man out? See, that's where I I, I don't know. I don't know where I I view him. And, and interestingly, can I ask you another just rhetorical question? Go ahead. We'll get into the more serious stuff. We have a very important text that we received from Ron and Vaughn. Oh no! And we have to put it to Leafs Nation to decide. Would it be blasphemy if I took my number twenty four Brian McCabe jersey and ripped off the four to make it a number two <laughs> Jake McCabe jersey? I saw a lot of people on Twitter hoping. So I uh, support you, Ron. I think that that is a very cost-effective way well, of doing it. McCabe just should have been twenty-four. Yeah. Like shame on on the <laughs> Leafs for just flat out saying, "No, Jake, you can't be number two. You got to be twenty-four, well, or you're sitting in the press box." Yeah, they should have done that for Leafs Nation. Like, now let's just put you I twenty-four. Know. Silver wears twenty-four. Yeah. I know it does it count if he's not on the active roster right now. Uh, does he? I don't even remember what number he wears. He's twenty-four, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Well. He's not on the roster, so... Yeah, uh, you're right. But it would have oh been funny. Oh my gosh, I just saw my life flash before my eyes. I didn't think I knew it. Never it would have been funny, though, if, uh, if Jake McCabe r- rocked 24. Slide right in. We support that, but though. Anyway. Like We're all about the upcycling and the thrifting. We, we've said that Cal Dubas is the king millennial GM with his upcycling of I'm players. with it, though. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm fair game. Cover up the four, rock the number two that's off-centered. I think it still works. It's McCabe, fair. number two. It just shows how long you've been around for, I think. It shows that you're a Grizzled Leafs fan. This is true. Um, But to get back to where I think he fits, you're right, it's going to depend on on left and right. I think, like, to start, maybe he ends up on the left just because he's probably more comfortable there. I believe he's been playing the left for for most of the season alongside Seth Jones. So maybe they start him out on the left. But, like, when I feel this team and how optimal it could be, it's going to depend on how well McCabe, I guess, fits in. But maybe if he can slide to the right and if he can be Morgan Riley's partner, that allows Justin Hall to get the babysitter. Right, allows him to get T.J. Brody. And Justin Hall, when he has Brody on his side... Looks like a top four defenseman. And, and and that's where I look at it and I say to myself, maybe McCabe and Riley could be the first pairing. Brody and Hall could be the second pairing. And then Gio and Lilligren slide down and they could be the third pairing. 
and that's that's the six that maybe we see come you know game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But yeah. it's going to depend on Jake McCabe and how comfortable he is on the right and how comfortable he is playing with with Morgan Riley. Because as Frankie pointed out to us yesterday, it's not always the easiest to play with like uh, you know a, a, a rover like Riley who likes to jump up into the rush if you're a defenseman. That's it takes a little bit longer to develop that chemistry. So you're going to probably get a longer look at those two if they try it. But I would imagine Sheldon Keefe will try a whole bunch of different lineups and then come the final eight games or so, really kind of settle things in and, and see what things look like as we get to the final stretch. But I, I that's the one that sticks out to me as would be most optimal to get the most out of people, to get the most out of, of Justin Hall. And I can already hear the people in the car saying, oh, my God, Hall in the top four, no chance, punt this guy off the team. But let's be honest here. Sheldon Keefe trusts Justin Hall. Yeah. He just trusts him. In in late-game situations, he is one of their top penalty-killing defensemen. He just does. And Do you think that, that might... Like, I'm just interested to see if Hall's role changes with the addition of McCabe, especially Kush. with McCabe's penalty-killing prowess. Ryan O'Reilly also killed... Like they, They've acquired a few penalty-killers, and that's kind of one of the sexiest things about Justin's Hall, Justin Hall's game. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. It, it, it is, but I think when you look at it, he still is one of their top three penalty killers. Even when you add in Jake McCabe, like you've got Brody, you've got Gio, you've got Hall, you've got McCabe. I mean, do you really want Morgan Riley killing penalties? No, not a whole God, lot. Yeah. Like Lilligren's not really a, a terrific penalty killer. So I still think he factors in there. So taking him out of the lineup, taking him out of that responsibility, I think would leave a little bit of a hole. And and, and if that's the case, that's probably where he. You know, gets the edge over a guy like Sandine and, and even over a guy like, like Timothy Lilligren, right? Mm-hmm. Just the fact that he can fill a hole that those guys just simply might not be able to fill. Yeah, so, fair enough. But we'll see what ends up happening. Again, Prax at 3.30. We'll get our first look uh, at where he goes. Like, if he plays on the left, I think Sandine probably is the guy on the outside, I would think. I, I honestly have in. a hard time picturing anyone else well, being the... Mm. Hall, you think could potentially, but it was like when when Keith had Hall out that one game, he was so he was he was really intent on getting him back in quickly. Yes, like he didn't like having him in the press box. Yeah, I, I, it, like I don't think Hall is as expendable as as a lot of fans believe he is. I know. Do you find it interesting that he wound up on the board today on our? Our at TSA board? board. Well, it makes sense only because they added a defenseman and he makes enough salary to get them below the cap, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just a little over a million dollars when it comes to uh, how much cap space that they have available. So there's four players on the team who make enough that you view as somewhat expendable. You've got um, Hall, you've got uh, Engvall, Kerfoot, and. Technically, Rasmus Sandin would also work. We didn't talk about it, but uh, Dreg's bringing up Camp also perked my ears a little bit. Too. Yeah, that was an interesting one. And I think maybe, too, because he's technically falls under the threshold where if that money was off the books, it would solve your cap crunch problem. Right. But for me, that's that's not that's a non-starter conversation. I don't think David Camp is someone you want to be getting off your roster. You need you need more David Camps as as opposed to less David Camps in your lineup. Like I'll take Camp over Kerfoot, Camp and he makes less money than those guys too. Yeah. So that to me is doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And again, he's a guy who kills penalties and does a really good job at doing it. So that to me is not a guy who I'd look at, but those other four, we'll see. We'll see. Now, with that, let's bring in former defenseman and current Chicago Blackhawks analyst Kobe Cohen to the show. How's it going, Kobe? Hey, how are you guys? 
Good. Doing well. We were just trying to... Busy time there in Toronto. Yeah, you guys have lots going on there in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to... There's a lot to... going on in Chicago, too. It's, it's, it's been very busy in both cities, I'd say. There's a lot of guys coming in and coming out of, uh, of both organizations. We saw a trade go down yesterday between the two, obviously. Um, Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty coming to Toronto. You cover the team pretty closely. Why don't we start with Jake McCabe, since you're uh, inherently a, a former defenseman. Like, What can he bring to the table? What do Leaf fans need to know about Jake McCabe? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Jake McCabe uh, was actually one of my favorite players over the last two seasons here in Chicago, just to watch and, and get to know and cover. Um just a low-maintenance hockey player, really old-school approach, uh, you know, defenseman who, you know, he doesn't get the accolades and he doesn't put up the points, but just does so many things well. And, you know, people have asked me, like, what, what, uh, what's the best part of his game? What are the weaknesses in his game? And I think the best part about Jake is he doesn't have uh, weaknesses in his game. Like, this is a steady defensive you know, defenseman who can also move the puck, who can also make a first pass, uh, who's got the foot speed to keep up with, you know, the speed of the Toronto forwards. And, uh, you know, you add this modern-day flavor to his game because he can use his feet so well to skate the puck out of trouble. Uh, You know, he can be a little bit elusive on a breakout. And he's physical. I mean, there's just not a lot of holes in his game. And honestly, you know, Seth Jones has been on a big-time run here playing some good hockey in Chicago, you know, since the All-Star break. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the pairing with Jake McCabe and and how much of a steadying influence McCabe has been. He's reliable. You know, he kills penalties. And, you know, I'm between the benches for most of our home games. So I have, like, a, a, a great perspective of what's going on on the bench he also is a leader. I mean, the guy has worn the C at the Division One level for Team USA and in, in, in the, the World Juniors, you know, and he's a leader on the bench. I mean, there have been a lot of games where he's a pretty vocal guy on the bench when the team needs a little bit of a, a kick. So, uh, I mean, we'll, I'll miss seeing him every day, chatting with him every day, but, but I think he's exactly what the Leafs needed, and I think that the, the, the trade cost, I think, was really fair. Uh, for both sides, I think Dubas did a nice job, and I think so did Kyle Davidson coming up with, uh, you know, a, a something that, that really worked for both teams. So you can't say enough good things, um, you know, about Jake McCabe. And, and I do think, uh, you know, you got to give him a little bit of time to get used to, to, to whatever system and, and new teammates and a new defensive partner and this and that. But he's a, he's a good player, a, a guy that doesn't get enough credit for, for being as good as he is. Yeah, people in Toronto rightfully fired up about this one. The one thing that people have noticed is that if you you scroll on his Elite Prospects page, he's got no playoff experience. But are you confident that his game will translate well to the postseason? I am just because his feet. You know, the the postseason gets more physical and it gets faster. And, you know, physical hockey and fast hockey are two things that that really work well with his game just because – his, his skill set, you know, he, he's a physical defenseman. Um, you know, in training camp the last two years, he uh, was faster in the conditioning tests than everybody. He was stronger than everybody, pound for pound. Like, this is a, 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 a beast of an athlete. You know, he's not huge in stature, but 
he was the strongest, most well-conditioned player here in, in Chicago, um, you know, in training camp. And so uh, that, that'll that suit him well come playoff time because it does get more physical and, and the rink sort of shrinks in the playoffs. So, um, like I said, it always takes a player a little bit of time to adjust to a new team. And he went through that last season in the beginning of the year here in Chicago. But, you know, you plug a guy into the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and – you know, around that group of forwards, um, they know how to get open for, for breakout passes. And, and these are these are talented players. So I think his adjustment will be smooth. And I think, again, I'm, I'm, I think he, he's, a, he's a, a heck of a piece for you guys to pick up there in Toronto. I have a bit of a checklist that I've put together. So we were talking earlier today in the show about how, you know, whether or not he can replace the void of, of a Jake Muzzin. And there's a few things I think Jake Muzzin does really well. And I'm curious how many of those items, I suppose, that McCabe checks the boxes. So I'm going to go over a list of a couple of things here, and you let me know if he checks the boxes. So you've already talked about uh, how he's got a really good first pass and is a good skater. So he checks that box. Question. Next question I have. Does he have a high success rate to you when he ends up going into the corners and he's battling for pucks and, you know, shutting down plays? Is that something he succeeds in? Absolutely. That's right up his alley. Is he willing to cross-check guys in front of the net? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. It's like a <laughs> bumble date or something. You're would, you say, would, would you say that Fords would consider him a pain in the ass? Yeah, I don't think anybody likes playing against them. And I and I actually like this comparison, this Jake Muzzin, you know, comparison. I would say that the only big difference, like I think Jake Muzzin can bring you more offense mm. is the reality. Like I don't think Jake McCabe is necessarily going to give you the offensive flavor that Jake Muzzin is going to bring you. But I also just don't think Jake McCabe is going to necessarily get caught, you know, trying to make offense, right? I don't think the – the Maple Leafs need a lot of offense. So I do like the comparison, though. Like, I do think McCabe fits in a nice hole that Muzzin uh, has, has left, you know, with, with his injury, um, you know, situation. With Kobe Cohen right now, former defenseman, and he's an analyst for the Chicago Blackhawks now. And the other piece that came to Toronto as part of that deal with Chicago, Kobe, was Sam Lafferty. So tell us a little bit about Sam Lafferty and, and what Leaf fans can expect him to bring to the lineup. Yeah, I mean, look, this is another guy that, that was traded for uh, Alex Nylander last year when Kyle Davidson took over and Nylander was asking for a trade. Um, you know, Lafferty, things weren't working out for him with Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, so, so they make that trade one for one. Lafferty comes to the NHL and, and makes an impact right away on the penalty kill. I mean right away. His speed becomes noticeable. His coachability and his willingness to kind of block shots and, and play physical, it just becomes apparent right away. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're watching him gain confidence with the puck and you're watching him, you know, make defensemen uncomfortable because he has that, um, you know, straight line speed, you know, that not a ton of players possess. Like we're talking high, high level uh, speed. And, and then, you know, you're just seeing his, his confidence grow. He's getting opportunities on the second power play here. He's killing every penalty. You know, he's got a number of shorthanded goals this year here in Chicago. He drops his gloves sometimes. I mean, he is a guy you need on your third or fourth line if you're going to win a Stanley Cup uh, just because of the attributes, you know, that he brings. And 
Um, you know, he'll be missed here in Chicago because there were nights this season where he was on Patrick Kane's line. I mean, again, that's not the right fit for him. And obviously here in Chicago, it's a little bit of a different situation right now. But, uh, you know, you have these Swiss Army Knife players that understand their role and they understand, you know, their job is to go out and bring energy and play fast. And, hey, if the fourth line can contribute a little bit, great. But, you know, again, this is a this is a great fourth line, uh, you know, if you need him on your third line type of player. You know, he, he's certainly not going to probably play with Matthews, Marner, and, and Tavares. But, you know, you put him in your bottom six, and you will never have to worry about uh, what this guy can do. And, again, you put him in the playoffs and his speed and his ability to play physical, you know, I think that's why – Ultimately, Dubis was willing to give up a second-round pick for him because the way I kind of look at the trade is you gave up a first for Jake and you gave up a second for Sam. Um, and I know there were other pieces to, to the trade, but I think, again, I think this is a player you guys are going to really love and appreciate. He doesn't make a ton of money. He's signed through next season, um, you know, was beloved in the locker room. Uh, you know, we, we, we had him on our podcast for the Blackhawks any chance we could because he's just such a good person to deal with. Um, so you, you guys got two of our, our more high-character players um, and two of our players that are just, you know, those types of guys that are willing to do anything. And you looked at how bad things were going here in Chicago, but, you know, those were two players that you never had to worry about showing up. They were two players that were never going to – not finish their check because the game was out of hand or we were at the end of a road trip. You know, they're, they're culture players on top of their on ice skill sets. These are, these are culture players and you can never have too many of those guys. If you want to win, you know, come, come the Stanley cup. I mean, when I was a, a rookie, I got called up to the, to the Bruins at the end of the season and then was there for the whole Stanley Cup run, you know, was on the ice, you know, got to come out and celebrate with the team when we won in game seven. You know, I saw how important the culture players were in the bottom of the lineup. And, you know, you get that with guys like Lafferty and, and Jake, who I, I don't think is a bottom of the lineup guy, but still really important characteristics for players to have. Uh, with Colby Cohen, former defenseman and Chicago Blackhawks analyst, and I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about uh, the Patrick Kane situation. I know he's not—he uh, has not been traded yet, but things seem to be, you know, going towards that way at at some point here with rumors swirling about him going to New York. But what's the mood around uh, Chicago with uh, these impending trade rumors? I suppose reports rather. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit of a strange vibe. And I think people are starting to come to the realization that this deal is, you know, most likely going to happen. I mean, for all intents and purposes, things have been agreed upon. Um, they're just trying to move the money around. And as we all know, this, you never know, like something could happen and then it could not happen. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a somber mood. I think Patrick Kane is, is, is so beloved here. I think he loves it here. I think this was a difficult thing for him because I think he really wanted to play his entire career here for the Blackhawks. Um, and, you know, obviously with him being away from the team, you know, he's a, he's, he's a larger-than-life figure and not because he's a big talker or a big personality, but just because he's such a, you know, an unbelievable player. So it's, it's a little bit weird, you know, and I think the, 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 the toughest part about it is is that, 
you know, you're going to trade away a franchise icon and you're not going to get a, a much of a return for him. It's difficult when you're, you're, you're negotiating against nothing. You know, the Rangers knew this is where he wants to be. Um, you know, and, and so they're like, well, why are we going to give you anything if we know this is the only place he'll come? I think the organization is actually trying to do right by Patrick. They very easily could have dug their heels in. They could have said, no, we're not giving him up for that. This is Patrick Kane. This is the principle of it, which they're not going to do because, like I said, it, there's a lot of history here, um, and I think that the organization is taking the, the – sort of the high road of, look, we, we want to do right by the player here. This is, a, you know, a, a not an ideal situation. So, um, you know, I think that uh, everybody keeps refreshing their Twitter page. I think after 5 o'clock today when the trade can officially potentially happen, I think everybody will be on high alert. Um, you know, I hope fans are going to still – maybe watch him in New York and, and hope to see him do well. I, I know I personally will, uh, but I, I, it, it is tough. It is definitely tough. I don't think I quite realized, um, you know, how, how much love there was for him back to the city. And to the, I mean, again, I knew they loved him as a hockey player, but seeing the personal love from the two sides, the city being one, Patrick being the other, it's been it's been cool to see because you know you just you don't necessarily see that uh, so so often in sports as as you two know players are moved around and traded and it's rare players are playing fifteen sixteen years in one place. Yeah, I mean he delivered him cups. You know when you bring uh, bring city cups and the one in 09 especially scoring the the one that no one saw go in except for him. Yeah, I mean that's gonna definitely hold a special place in in Chicago hearts for sure. Uh, Colby, really appreciate taking time to join us to to chat today. It was a fun one. Hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, take care of our guys there in in Toronto. I, I uh, you know don't beat them up too bad if, if the first <laughs> game or two doesn't doesn't go well remember these are people with families you know like they're getting situated in new places and you know it might take a couple of games to, to fit in so you know give our guys a break here for the first week or two but i think in the long run i think these are two pieces that that should really help you you know get by uh tampa bay this year in the first round if, if that does uh uh, end up being the matchup. Uh, McCabe's a dash one after his first shift. He's getting eviscerated the next day. I tell you <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, and I'm worried. I'm worried about that. But I can tell you what, McCabe's not on social media, so he will not hear the noise. Oh, I like that. That's a good. That's a good sign. It's a good positive sign. No social media. No Twitter. <laughs> yeah. No Instagram. Doesn't use any of it. Love it. Love it. Just a hockey guy through and through. Appreciate your t- the the time, Colby, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. There he is. Colby Cohen, former defenseman, Chicago Blackhawks analyst. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough test, man. The first game tomorrow night, they got uh, Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid. (laughs) So it'll be definitely a a really tough test right away for Jake McCabe. At some point, he'll be, you know, faced up against uh, whether it's Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Our boy Zach Hyman, like there's there's some tough uh, some tough guys that they'll be playing tomorrow. All right, on the other side, Johnny Lazarus gonna join us uh, from Bleacher Report, so he'll join us. Uh, I'm Mike DeStefano with Julia Tashery. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here.
of a roast. The harmonica. The 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 harmonica's awesome. Like only Bruce Springsteen can get away with. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. Thanks, bro. <laughs> like, thanks so much for that. Uh, Julie Cherry, Mike Stephanie. With you on Leafs Lunch. And on the phone, we've got the host of the Blue Crew podcast, content creator for BR Open Ice, and, and someone who's probably patiently awaiting five o'clock for when Patrick Kane can officially be traded, Johnny Lazarus. How's it going, Johnny? First of all, I've been listening to the entire show today, and I'm a diehard Bruce Springsteen fan, and Thunder Road is like the song of my family, so the fact that I'm coming into that is just incredible. And I am fantastic. My screen time today is going to be 24 hours, all on Twitter, <laughs> so it's going to be a long day. Yeah, you're going to have to get the blue light glasses rocking or something by the time 5 o'clock rolls around. What is the buzz in New York, though, like, Johnny? Because it's, it's kind of an interesting one. Is it going to feel like kind of anticlimactic when the deal actually happens because he's kind of penciled in on the Rangers roster already? I mean, like, it's so hard to explain because, you know, this has been going on for like five days now where I've been hearing so many things. Other people have been hearing other things. Like, this deal in my mind has been done already for five days. So, like, I'm, I've been working, like, on the line chart for the game against Philly tomorrow, the game against Ottawa on Thursday. I actually got my tickets Thursday night, like, thinking that it's Kane's MSG debut. And there's maybe, like, the 5% of Ranger fans that don't think it's actually going to happen, but... This has been the worst-kept secret in all hockey, I feel like. Everyone knows he's coming, and if he doesn't come, then what happens? Is he getting surgery? Like, you know, he, he's going to be a Ranger. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I think it's 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 almost a foregone – it's a formality, really. Just got to wait for the cap to work. Like, they were it. doing some ridiculous cap gymnastics over the course of last week, from trade away crabs off, putting decision on waivers, sending Brendan Schneider down to, to the minors, like all to make this – cap work like I, I i don't think i've ever seen such insane gymnastics made to to get a deal done like this and it's crazy i think it's only like ten thousand dollars ranger fans were just venmo delete <laughs> <laughs> it would have been insane so patrick kane though like where where do you see him fitting in in a new york rangers uniform you talked about how you're already starting to pencil in your lineups and whatnot so like where's his best fit I think it's pretty obvious playing on the line with Panera and Trocek right now just makes the most sense. You can probably switch him, uh, you know, in, on that Sedanjad line, but you got to keep him with Panera, right? Like, that's the whole reason why I think he's coming. He's been very vocal about that. Panera's been his favorite linemate that he's ever played with. And, you know, the only concern I have right now is the power play because that power play one right now is pretty stacked. And, like, throwing him on there, like, how could you not put him on there? But the whole power play right now is basically finding Mika Zibanejad for that one-timer or, you know, Adam Fox walking the blue line looking for Kreider's stick for a deflection. You know, Tarasenko, Hedl, and Trocek have all been in the bunker spot. But they haven't really used that right half wall with the lefty yet. So I don't know where Patrick Kane's really going to fit in. I mean, having there, you know, Panarin's been in that spot. He's a righty, so he's somewhat more of a threat coming down on his strong side. It's just going to be interesting to see how it works. But, I mean, I can't think of a better one-two power play unit punch in the NHL right now. No, yeah, it's probably true. Uh, with Johnny Lazarus right now from BR Open Ice. So when the rumor on the street was it was down to Toronto and New York when it comes to Patrick Kane, Toronto, or the market at least, was viewing Patrick Kane as kind of a luxury ad. Like, 
you're not going to th- empty the cupboards to get him, but obviously be sweet to have Patrick Kane on your team. Is that kind of the way that New York is viewing this as well? Like he wasn't the number one have to go out and get him, but Patrick Kane wants to come to New York, so you've got to get him to New York? I mean, you basically just took the words out of my mouth. Um, you know, how could you pass up on a guy like this, especially, you know, arguably the best American-born forward to play the game that wants to come play for your team and wants to bring a Stanley Cup to your city and has done it three times already? So I don't think Patrick Kane, you know, if you asked me a year ago, I never would have said Patrick Kane was a necessity. But if you can add him and not sacrifice much of your future, how could you turn that down? Like, that's what I don't get, you know? Yeah. And there's still fans who are against it. So are they done then, Johnny? Like, I, I've seen fans, like, probably the same fans you're saying are against it, wanting a defenseman still. Like, is there still more moves to be made after this gets done? I think there could be a little bit of a tiny move, but I still don't really know what that is. The only thing I actually thought could change was after Ingram went down, maybe the Rangers shift their focus into a Jacob Ingram, but I don't see that happening. The Rangers' defense is, is very interesting, right, because – they're not necessarily so young. They're also not necessarily such a veteran group, but they went to that conference final last year, so they have the experience under their belt, but there still is a lot of concern about the blue line. Like, they do look sloppy at times. They're not super consistent. Sometimes they can be guilty of being a little bit offensively minded, especially with Fox and Miller. And then you have Truba and Lingard on the back end, and, you know, they're tough as nails, obviously. Sometimes they can even be a liability. So I think it's, it's very interesting right now with this blue line, but I think you know, your best defense is a good offense, right? And I don't think there's a better offense on paper than the Rangers if they get Kane. I mean, that top six, like, all six of those players could be all-stars. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that would be just an unbelievable offense that they could put together. There's really no holes there. I mean, once Lindgren gets healthy, that's an extremely deep lineup. We're with Johnny Lazarus, host of the Blue Crew broadcast and uh, with BR Open Ice. And I'm curious as to, because here in Toronto, like, we already know what the first-round matchup's going to be. It's Tampa-Toronto. Mm-hmm. In New York, it's kind of the exact same thing. It's it's most likely going to end up being the Rangers and the Devils. It's maybe not as set in stone as Tampa-Toronto, but it's the most likely scenario. So when you're looking at the deals that were made to bring in Tarasenko and to bring in Patrick Kane, like how does that help them get over the hump and, and beat New Jersey, who also added Timo Meyer and have been a very potent offense themselves? It's actually so funny that you say that, too, because I think once the Devils added Meyer, then the Sears, you know, had to go out and get Kane, too. Like, you know, what you could, I could do better, some, some sort of thing like that. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny to think about those teams going at it because in my lifetime, and this has been a huge argument on Twitter today, actually, a lot of Rangers fans sometimes think that the biggest rivalry is with the Islanders, but in my lifetime, it's always been with the Devils because the Rangers and Devils have always been good at the same time. Whenever the Islanders are good, the Rangers aren't, and whenever the Rangers are good, the Islanders aren't. So they haven't really matched up in a postseason, at least since I've been alive. So the biggest rivalry from my childhood was always Rangers against Marty Brodeur and the Devils. And, you know, a lot of the players that we've had in our podcast, the Blue Crew, uh, on the Believe Podcast Network, shout out to them, you know, Scotty Gomez, Brendan Dubinsky, Sean Avery, like, they all hated the Devils. And when I asked them about, about the Islanders, they were like, the Islanders were irrelevant when we were on the they weren't there. We went to Nassau Coliseum, and it was point night for us. You know, like, that's just that's how it was. So uh, I think the Rangers' rivalry hasn't necessarily been as heated maybe in the last three or four years because the Bulls have had a little bit of a drop-off. But I still think that is far and away the number one rivalry in this area, and it's just going to be revamped this postseason. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little terrified in the stands 
uh, at the Brennan Center, even the Garden, because there's going to be 10 times more of a fight in the crowd than there will be on the ice. Oh, yeah, that's going to be gritty. Uh, don't you find it a little tragic, though, Johnny? Like, this whole thing in the East is, is so exciting. I like the way people are calling it an arms race because that's kind of what it feels like. Everybody's loading up their, their tanks and such to go to battle in the postseason. But is it kind of tragic out of Tampa, Toronto, New York, and, and Jersey? We're going to lose two of those teams in the first 12 days of the playoffs? It's so horrible. Yeah. And if it's dangerous, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I, I mean, you're like, going to cry. Not, I'm going to cry. We can't go on the radio again after another first round. Yeah, exit. This guy was in a conference well, final a year yeah, ago. The Leafs haven't like, been out of the first rounds since so four. Come on now. <laughs> Full transparency. I, along probably most hockey that, like, you know, doesn't have a rooting interest in the playoffs, is probably rooting for a Rangers Maple Leafs conference final. Like, how cool would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, Gary the would be happy with that one. The two self-involved, most giant fan bases oh in hockey going toe-to-toe. The, the, the networks would be ecstatic if that happened. It would be insane. I, like, part of me, because I actually, I love the Leafs. Like, I love Marner. I love Matthews. Uh, you know, those guys have been fun to watch since they've entered the league. Like, if that were to happen, a part of me, like, wouldn't be so sad. Cause it would be nice if the Leafs get their flowers. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm fully open to that. But, you know, I still would be a little heartbroken. The East, I mean, listen, I've actually, uh, you know, one of my friends, Max Coulter, actually, who played hockey at UConn, he brought it up to me last week at the West. You know, similar to Colorado last year, they sweep the first round. I think they win the second round of six games and then sweep the conference final. Their path to the final wasn't necessarily so difficult. They were pretty well rested, I think, going into that series against Tampa Bay, who had a really tough first round against Toronto. So they don't necessarily cruise past Florida in that sweep, but they shouldn't four games. And then a pretty tough series with the Rangers in six. It's going to be a similar vibe, I feel like, coming out of the West. Whatever team that is, I don't think they'll be as battle-tested yeah. as the team that comes out of the East. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. I'm curious. You said, uh, you know, big fan of Toronto and what they've done. How do you assess the, the ads that the Maple Leafs have made, bringing in Ryan O'Reilly, Jake McCabe, Lafferty, Nolachari? From uh, an outsider's perspective, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, on how well-equipped this team is to make that deep postseason run. I mean, I don't think you can question Kyle this anymore, right? He's he's all in. I mean, they've been pretty much all in, I think, for the last two or three years. But adding a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, and he's been obviously incredible since he's entered. And then you know, Noah Chari is not a guy to sleep on. Sam Lafferty, you know, a great guy in the penalty kill, just adds a lot of team speed. Jake McCabe, another solid guy in the back end. And you know, I heard Cole talking about him before. Seems like a great guy, uh, well-beloved in the room and everything like that, too. So that just adds for the morale and whatnot. But... For me, you know, like, I, I guess it's like this narrative in the least, but I think as a hockey fan, it's such a hard team not to love. Like, you know, they have a bunch of good guys, it seems like. The, the way they play is so fun and exciting. Like, Mitch Marner actually tweeted it. Uh, <laughs> the Toronto game and the Rangers on TNT, like, about a month ago, I tweeted, like, in the first period, I love watching Mitch Marner play, and then Marner's the overtime goal, so that, I got a lot of spirituals for that one. But, um, you know, they're just so fun to watch. It's so dynamic, and I think all the moves they made are just proper pieces of the puzzle. Like, not necessarily a huge fish, but all those little pieces, like what Colorado added last year, and Pagliano and, and stuff like that, that'll just help, you know, get the team for the home.
Yeah. Well, you got some one-on-one time with Willie earlier this year. You got oh, to yeah, do a little skate around with him. Strange concept. Yeah, I know. He never comes and hangs out with us. Twelve Timbits is soft to you, Johnny. Like, what, what's when you put in work with Timbits? Could get could you get to like twenty? Wait, what happened? He record? said he said what? Like you asked him how many Timbits he eats, and his answer was twelve. The most, the most in one sitting. I also forgot to mention you, Andrew. He's a stud and great guy, and that was a really fun day. Who can't dump um, me a full yeah. twenty box in one sitting? Like, who can't do that? <laughs> what do you mean? He said twelve. You know, you know why I'm not in the NHL? Because every night in college, I'd crave an ice cap and twenty timbits, and I'd take it to the face and like get me out of shape. I kind of respect that as an American. It was still post game Timmy's. Oh, always. I mean, actually, my Saturday pregame before like our video Saturday mornings, I go to Tim Hortons to get the farmers sneak in three uh, timbits. Get an ice cap and go to the rink. That Dude, was my Saturday routine. That is so Canadian. It's almost weird. Okay, last one about Willie before <laughs> we let you go. His reputation this year in the market has really changed. Like this year, Willie, I don't know if you know this, gets dogged on in Toronto all the time. There's one specific clip from the playoff series last year against Tampa where he's kind of dogging it coming Made back. A business mm-hmm. decision, as it was coined. Yeah, like he, he, he gets dogged a lot in this market. And this year, he seems to have gained some new respect from... Uh, local uncles in the GTA who who think he's gained more of a defensive game. Has his reputation outside of Toronto changed at all, or has Willie Styles just been highly regarded uh, throughout his career? I mean, I think everything you know we hear out here in New York, and obviously his dad was a pretty good player for the Rangers. Like you know, Rangers fans would love to have a guy like Nylander, not only for his on ice play, but his off ice swagger too, right? Like, there's not many cooler guys in the league than right. Nylander. You know, he's got the style, you know, both on the ice and off the ice. Like I said, in, in meeting him, he was super nice. Like, not only did we chat for a couple minutes, but he was asking me questions, like, about my life, which, you know, is always really cool uh, for NHL players because they're humans, like, at the end of the day, right? And, um, you know, I think, obviously, Toronto is a really hard city to play in and kind of, you know, taking that by storm here, right? He's got, what, 33 goals this season, um, leading the team, I think, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Good day. Uh, but... No, I, I think, uh, you know, he, he's definitely ignoring the outside noise. I actually asked him off the record, like, if he's checking some and stuff, and he's, no, I don't I don't check. So I think that's, like, a big thing, too, right? Like, the less you hear, maybe the more confident you are. Um, but, man, what, what fun to watch and definitely love to see. And that's another 88 I'd love to see in New York. <laughs> Keep your hands, all right? You can take Patty Kane. William Nylander can stay in the six. We spent like about 15 minutes one day talking about whether or not William Nylander would give up 88 for Patrick Kane. I know, and I, I don't know what the answer would have been still, but it uh, doesn't matter because now he's on probably going to be in New York. He's not completely in stone, but it's there's a good solid blue it's pen. It's in pen, yeah. It's in pen at the very least. Uh, Johnny, really appreciate taking the time. It was a fun chat, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And I promised Anna Dua I'd give her a shout-out. So shout-out to Anna Dua. Anna Dua's the best. Went to school together. What a queen. All right. There he is, Johnny Lazarus, uh, host of the Blue Crew podcast, content creator for uh, BR Open Ice. So there's also some... A development. A development. In the trade. And you know what? We're not going to break it. You see my face. I'm trying to ask a question. I'm trying to be an engaging host with Johnny yeah. Lazarus, and I see AB's face. His eyes get the size of dish plates. I'm like, should I just stop talking? Like, what happened? 
There is a development potentially in the <laughs> trade market. Darren Dreger has got some information that I will relay to the good people listening to this program on the other side. So we'll take a quick break and we'll kind of talk about it. And uh, there might be some movement in the trade market uh, coming soon. So we'll get to that on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tesheri. It was in a Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I'm driving in my car. Another great Bruce Is this going to be our thing? Like, is this going to, like... They, is this going to be a, like to the end of the season thing? I was thinking this yesterday while they it's, were doing it during overdrive. It's got to, it's we got to add some more Bruce songs into the rotation. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, I think it'd be a little, uh, it'd be like you ten hours into your drive up the T Bay, right? Right. We get a little sick of it, but we add a little bit more Bruce into the rotation okay. throughout the season. I like it. I think, I think that that works because I, I'm a big Bruce guy. I think this is my mom's favorite song, Fire. Oh so this my is gosh! A shout out to my mother. I didn't even, I didn't even tell you the hilarious text my dad sent me earlier. He said. I'll take Al's mother to Bruce Springsteen. Al's they mother? Al's brother? I haven't Al's heard Al's mother, mother before. Al's mother. That was the funny part of the text. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, that would be funny. I mean, that would be hilarious, actually, if, like, Julia's father and my mother went to go and see Al's Bruce mother. together and just had the time of their lives. <laughs> that like, would be awesome. Like, she's seen him probably, like, I don't know, 13, 14 times That's by now. Awesome. Like, t- lots, lots of times she's seen him. She was like... She gets into the pit and everything. It's insane what that lady I kinda does. I kind of like for, that the Leafs like they've got the Justin Bieber appeal. Now they're adding yep. the Bruce Springsteen. They're really yeah, trying to they're appeal hitting to everybody, a larger right? audience. Hitting everyone, yeah. right? And now they're adding a little bit more. De- I got a note actually. Funny enough, you bring that up. Hitting both audiences. I got a note from uh, good old Uncle Chris. Oh, okay. Uncle Chris, and he said, "Good moves by Dubis." Oh. And then talks about how he likes. What's going on with the bottom six? Nice. So we're starting to get some okay. uh, approval from the old guard, and obviously adding in a little Bruce flair should help as well. Um, before we went, uh, before we went to break, I had no, I had mentioned that there was a little nugget, a little Dregs bomb ish that uh, that he dropped. Let me just pull it up here. But Dregger is, I don't say reporting, but. He's out there saying that he's hearing action is starting to pick up around Blues defenseman Colton Pareko, Alberta boy with a ton of term remaining, $6.5 million cap hit through uh, 29-30. Stay tuned. Alberta boy? I wonder Mm. why he would say that. There's a certain team in Alberta that's been uh, hovering around the defensive market, if I recall our chat, no more than about an hour or so ago. Yeah, interesting. And Pareko was a name that came up when it became obvious that the Blues were yep. deciding to wave the white flag and head into sell mode. He was the first guy that, that even even we, I think, yeah, was Pareko Pareko around. to Toronto, it was like, okay, let's. that would have been a very great pickup for them. I mean, at least for the short term, that, that contract long term might not look as you know, look as great. But if you're if you are a team like Edmonton and you're looking around the, the defensive market and you're thinking, okay, what do we want to add here? Colton Pareko would be a massive addition. Like that would be a, a big time add. You're talking about a guy who definitely fits into your, your system and exactly what you need in a big burly defensive defenseman who can play playoff hockey and brings a Stanley Cup to your locker room. Yeah, and there's something about like with certain markets and Edmonton is probably one of them where it's it's if you have a guy that's from there 
like Edmonton, Winnipeg, I, all the Canadian teams, honestly, kind of fit under this. Just knowing that a guy's from there has a tie to there is, is kind of, it's just attractive in, in hoping that you can get him to stick around after the fact. Here's where in Alberta he is from. You're right. What if he's a hater? What if he's right from Calgary? Ooh, St. Albert, which is a suburb outside of Edmonton, which I believe nice. Jamie Noodles McLennan resided in as a young boy. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, a couple of studs coming out of San Albert, which is an Edmonton suburb. So, I mean, that would uh, that be a big pickup for them if they can go and get themselves Colm Pareko. You know what you got up front. Like yeah. We were talking about it earlier in the show. If you're a Western Conference team, you're seeing what's happening out east, that's going to be an absolute gauntlet. The West is so much easier of a path. Yeah. And Johnny Lazarus was talking about how that was the same case last year. The path was so much easier for Colorado. And then when they got there, they were a little fresher than Tampa Bay. And you could kind of tell... Ray was talking about it yesterday with the OD guys. He was looking at the Tampa Bay team before Stanley Cup final games, thinking to himself, like, how are you even going to play? They're so beat up. (laughs) They were so beat up. Before Game 7 of the Leafs series in the first round, they looked like broken men hobbling out there. Yeah. Like, and they still won that series. They had guys going to the room, coming yeah. back. Like, all the credit to Tampa for how they played, but they were beat to hell by the time they got to the Stanley Cup final. Absolutely. So, if you're a team out West and you think, like, I, I, I think there's teams out West that are closer to a Cup final and being a piece away just simply because of the path. Yeah. So, if you can go and get yourself a Pareko and shore up that blue line if you're Edmonton, I mean, you do what you got to do to get it done, right? We already saw them ship out Yessi Pugliarvi today. He's in Carolina now. They didn't retain any salary, and they brought back a prospect who's going to go into their minor system. So they opened up a few million bucks in cap space. If they can ship out another one of their guys who are there now, which I think like CC is on like a $3 million deal. They've got Tyson Berry, who's making that type of money. All like about her you recycling those, here in you, Toronto. Or exam, pretty much, exactly. <laughs> you include one of those in that deal, all of a sudden the money works. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it's, 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 we'll see what ends it's up not happening. Not quite as exciting as Chickren or, or Carlson on the PP, but still pretty fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they would have added Carlson, whew, that would have been. I know. I was kind of ha- sad to hear yesterday. Like, I don't know if you, you, I'm sure you did hear the audio of Carlson saying, well, nobody's asked me to waive my no-move clause now. It'd probably be awkward if Jonesy came down here today, three days before the deadline, and yeah. asked four days before the deadline, asked me to. I, mean, I was kind of disappointed to hear that, though, to drag this I, point I didn't hear here. that audio, but did it sound like the tone as if he felt like he may have been getting traded? No, the tone sounded like... Uh, he, he didn't ask me to waive my no clause, no trade clause two weeks ago. I don't know why he'd come down here and ask me to do it now. It sounded like he's like, not really like, on his radar. But does he want to be, is what I mean. Like like mm. Patrick Kane, when he spoke, it was like, mm, that sounds like a guy who's upset. That no, he's... I didn't pick that up at all okay. from Carlson. Gotcha. It sounded more just like I'm here focusing on playing hockey. Gotcha, gotcha. Now i got to respect that. I mean, yeah, he, honestly. he basically handpicked going to San Jose anyways. Like, he signed there long term. He doesn't mind... He likes the beach and the quiet. Likes the beach, likes the he's quiet. He's ripping it up. And, uh, yeah, he's been, I mean, he's probably going to win the Norris this season. Yep. So he's, he's doing good things in a bad market. I think, uh, I don't know if he really cares all that much. You know, maybe at some point uh, the Stanley Cup will be on his mind. But if he has to stay and remain in San Jose, I don't know if that's such a, a terrible thing for him. All right. A couple days out from the NHL trade deadline. I'm sure there'll be more stuff coming down today and into tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll chat about it. That does it for us today, though. You can find today's show on tcent50.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matt Cause coming up next.